if you are an Android user, you should check out the Podcast Republic app. It's free, it has thousands of great reviews, and all you have to do is download it to see for yourself. So check it out. It's available on the Google Play Store, the Podcast Republic app. You favorite your favorite podcasts, they download right to your device, and you're listening in seconds. The Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. On Saturday, July 20th, we are returning to Tattooed Mom as part of the Philly Podcast Festival. It's our fourth year, I believe, at that particular podcast that festival. We're very excited to be uh, asked to be back and excited to return to Tattooed Mom, which is always a really good time. We are going to be discussing the fabulous film Flashdance. Regular listeners of this show might remember that, hey, didn't you guys do a live episode about the movie Flashdance last year at the Baltimore Podcast Festival? And you would be correct. We did. Here's the thing. The only people who heard that episode were the ones in the room. (laughs) Uh, So we liked it. And wanted to talk about it and see if we could get that conversation recorded. And figured a year later would probably mean we wouldn't repeat too many of our own jokes. Although, frankly, I doubt that I remember them I at this genuinely, point. I don't even remember where my notes are. Oh, wait. They might be in this notebook. Uh, Two seconds. We will be at Tattooed Mom at 3.30 p.m. on July 20th. Part of a packed day of shows that starts at 12.30 p.m. there. Goes till 7.30 p.m. My notes are still in here. Um, the same notebook. Oh, Good. Good. Uh, so we will be doing Flashdance. Uh, if you were at the Baltimore show, this one will probably be different. If you weren't at the Baltimore show, which is almost every other, everyone listening to this, assuredly, uh, we will be doing Flashdance. So come hear us talk about one of the crazy dance movies of our favorite decade, of course, the 1980s. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am one half of the mega podcasting powers, Trip Lano. And with me, as always, is a man whose nickname is very appropriate for perhaps no the second time ever in the history of the podcast, the Macho Man, Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Uh, wait, what was the, wait, was, was Randy Savage on the show before? Yeah, we did the wrestling match way back. Oh, you're right. I forget when it's, it's been five years, which is bananas to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's easy to forget. We actually, and please don't take this as any sort of, uh, knock on you at all because i have done the same thing i have literally suggested that we do a movie that we've already done before but one of our uh, patreon supporters sent in their three episodes and one of them was one we had done before and i was like oh you're in luck you have this one right now but also send me another one so we can pick so i was like i was like don't worry about it it happens literally to the people who make the show please don't <laughs> feel bad about it at all but bonus for you you can hear that right now uh, we are celebrating Pride, and we watched a very gay movie to do so. It is one of the gayest movies I've seen, and I've watched gay porn. <laughs> uh, we watched Don't Stop can't. the Music, the Can't Stop the Music. I had the wrong, wrong thing the whole time. Can't Stop the Music. I do apologize. Uh, I even titled my file incorrectly. <laughs> uh, is Don't Stop the Music a different movie? Or I don't. No, maybe. Or am I just? I'm just thinking of that dancey song. That's can't stop the feeling. No, no, no. There's a there's a song that's like, please don't stop the music. Oh, that's Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's all I was thinking of. I don't know. Anyway, we watched can't stop the music. The kind of sort of maybe biopic of the Village People. So you know what that we means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the '80s. It's your gay icon. Something's gonna be done about your gay icons. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! 
of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. This might be my favorite kind of biopic, where it's like, inspired by insane but like also we don't need to hit all the points like it's there's no realism we're trying to strive for here i have to be honest with you i'm kind of in the same camp even though i didn't super like this movie i much rather prefer this type of thing where it's like vague hand gesture and now all the band is together and we're making the music and not like the story of how each member came to join the band especially a band like this where it's seven different people and i think it was largely put together is it six? Yeah. Okay. But I think it was largely put together by like a studio. Like the, the, bi- the biopic of the Backstreet Boys would not be interesting. Cause it's like, I don't know. We all got hired cause our voice, we had to hit the whole range of, you know, the octave and the, I was the baritone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, the village people were created by, so the character, the Steve Gutenberg character is based on the guy who wrote the music for the village people and like put the group together. But it was not this glam. It was just like I put out a note that said, I want macho man singers. And that's what he got. Right. Yeah. Um, so we do start with the goot um, and he's working at a record store and his boss is a real a-hole. Fourth he's like, yeah, I know. Well, it's <laughs> he's a pivotal figure of 80s pop culture. And I'm not that is not a bit. That's not like a, I'm not like like I say that about people who are not as a bit. But I really do genuinely feel like if you're talking about pop cultural icons of the 1980s, Steve Gutenberg is in the top 25 without I question it, to me. I really like the Goots, uh, Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, maybe. She's got a, a bunch of movies in there. But like, you know, Schwarzenegger rises to fame there. You got your Cindy Lauper yeah. when you're talking about music. Like there's there's a lot of people. But I, I really do genuinely feel like he is... He's in a ton of movies. He's in a ton of movies that are like really popular. So he's got cultural presence for for days. And honestly, everything I've seen of him is like a late career guy. He has a very good seeming like sense of like, yeah, sure, I'll do this stupid thing. Like, why not? Uh, uh, he has a good like go with it attitude. I feel that's like. good to hear. He was in a very watchable one of those terrible sci-fi movies, like you know the Rock Lava to Lava Lanchula or some something like that. Like he was in something truly bizarre uh and was was entertaining in that and he was also really funny as himself on uh, party down i don't know if you ever saw that show so gutenberg's working at the record store for a boss who's a real dick who's like no 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 you have to stay and do inventory you can't go do your dj gig this is a real job and then gutenberg's like f you i quit and he starts frisbeeing cds into the crowd which i kind of it's kind of like the scene in Shaun of the dead where they're uh flinging the records at the, at the zombies yeah, 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 with little tapes, though. And then we have this excruciatingly long montage of the goot rollerblading, roller skating, rather, not blading, down the street. It's so long and wonderful. It's 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 a pack of Muppets short of being a Muppet movie opening. It is absolutely a Muppet movie opening, but I didn't think we were doing a Muppet movie, so I was like, what the hell is going on Like, here? if you replace Steve Gutenberg's gliding on roller roller skates with the, like, bouncing run of a Muppet, I'd be like, yeah, this is the beginning of a Muppet movie. I'm here for it. it. Honestly, I think I would have had less of an issue with this movie watching it if you had told me in advance, since you, you I think you watched, like, half of it before I started it. I didn't know. So you always watch everything way in advance, so I just assumed yeah, you had yeah. known? 
Right. But if you've been like, oh, it's a Muppet movie, I would have been like closer to on board much quicker. Gotcha. Okay. I apologize. So this montage is like a solid five minutes where I was like, okay, it has to be over now. Okay. It has to be over now. At least four times. Yeah, it's a long, long montage of credits and people dancing and stuff. It's happy. The only thing I like about it is that it's grungy New York. So he's like rollerblade. I'm going to say rollerblades every time. He roller skates by a porn theater. And I only know that because I saw a name on the marquee. I was like, that sounds like a porn star. And I Googled it and it was. (laughs) And then there's like a bunch of trash men doing like a. You know, like they're throwing garbage cans into the back of the truck kind of deal. It's like very grungy, grimy 70s New York, even though it's 1980s. But very glossy and shiny. Right. Um, So Gutenberg is the guest DJ, and he's all excited to tell his roommate. And then he looks over, and there's a man in full Native American garb just like casually hanging out in their apartment who says, The TV in my apartment broke. I climbed in through the window. And he gets up and he's wearing, like, you can see his whole outfit. And it's akin to, like, a pro wrestler sitting on your couch in their, in their like, little bit underwear, their boots, and, like, wrist tape. And you'd be, like, and elbow pads. And you'd be, like, what? Like, you're not, you're not in the ring. This is not the time for full gear. Like, full gear belongs in the ring. So this is, so I, I think, I wish this movie leaned into the camp a little bit more. And, like, gone full Power Rangers, where, like, everyone only dresses in their assigned archetype. Like, how the... Sure, like, yeah. Like, oh, the, you can tell, you always know which ranger is which watching the TV show, because they know, they only wear their assigned color. And that's what, I, I wanted that kind of silliness. It's almost that. It's so close, kind of what, but it's not. Right. So... I was texting you while while watching this and like for the first 45 minutes to an hour, I was like, this is a war crime. Like you have, you have committed a war crime by making me watch this movie because this is a full boat two hours. This isn't like an hour 55 and it feels like two. The credits don't really start rolling until an hour 59, I believe. Yeah. It's a two hour movie. That is uh, an hour 10 of plot. I think you're being generous. I think it's a television episode. You think it's 22 minutes? No, I think you could do this as like an hour long TV special, 42 minutes, 44 minutes, and we're out of here. Okay, like, okay, that's fair. I thought you were, I thought you were, I was like, it was not, there was more plot than 22 minutes. If, if you're gonna do a movie where like the whole point is playing the songs, like where's all the songs I recognize? We don't get YMCA for over an hour, and it's like, I don't know all of the Village People songs, but I can also name you in the Navy and, Macho Man, and like there, there's only like a passing reference to Macho. So Man you also movie. have to think of the perspective. Like this is this movie came out in the height of Village People fame. So like we know the best of the Village People because that's what survives predominantly. But the hits were still the hits by this point. Like the yeah, Village People, people I would say people were more likely 70s. to know some B sides of the Village People. I don't know. Are these even B sides? Are they for the movie? I genuinely couldn't. I, tell. I have no idea. I wish I knew. Because, like, I don't know, I just feel like if you're going to do it, like, uh, in case anybody is not familiar with the term, I learned it recently myself, so I shouldn't just throw it around like everybody knows it. Needle drop is when a movie plays a song you're, like, it's usually used derisively for when a movie is just, like, constantly playing the songs that you recognize. Like, people had a lot of beef with that with regard to Bohemian Rhapsody because it's just, like, every three minutes it's like, hey, remember this song? Hey, remember this song? And so I don't want them to do that necessarily and just be obnoxious, but it's like, 
I, give me the hits, baby. Give me if you're gonna do it. Give me the hits. Like I don't want the B sides. Like when you go see Mamma Mia, you you get the friggin' song Mamma Mia in like the first minute because they're like, hey, we know what you came Are for you, the musical Mamma Mia. Yeah, that's not the first. They start. Oh, maybe maybe that's not the first. I think Mamma Mia. Maybe I think Mamma Mia first. is the act two closer. So, okay. but either way, that's a that's a prominent point. But you're getting the hits of ABBA from Jump Street. Like, we start off introducing characters using the A-plus hits. It'd be like doing a Beatles thing, and you start the movie with Revolution 9. Everyone would be like, the hell is this? Is that a vacuum cleaner? Like, I don't know what I'm listening to here. It's like, no, give me I Want to Hold Your Hand. Give me, you know, Yellow Submarine. Give me the goddamn hits if you're going to do this. Yeah, give me the best of. So we're doing all these Village People songs that I've never heard of and I don't know, and I and I don't particularly like, and I don't have any fondness for I like them. So I feel like... like- so I, I had heard I, – I either had heard or knew 60% of the songs in this music, this movie. Really? Mm-hmm. What If you take out uh, YMCA, what's the number? Uh, well, YMCA was one of the ones that I knew. No, I know. I know. But I'm saying is that like 10% of it? Is, is it like you knew half if we take out YMCA? Um, I would say – I don't know because assuming there are 10 songs in the movie – I, I guess yeah. yeah I guess have I'd heard wow. had heard at some point or knew never 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 that's wild I think that okay so I was gonna save this for later but I think this is relevant to talk about here since I think that's a good touching touch point I was thinking about this while we were watching because I was like this is really bad I can't believe you made me watch a two-hour movie and it's this bad and of course like I'm being silly because I pick most of the movies and they're often terrible and there is a real joy in making someone that you love watch something terrible, like forcing them to do this bad thing and enjoying their hatred of it is a thing. I didn't think that's what you were doing here. No, but I was, I was, I was thinking about it and it's like, I think there's like probably four broad quadrants that media can fall into for, for me personally, where it's like a, number one is like, this is for me and I like it. Number two being, this is for me, but I don't like it. The third category being, this isn't for me, but I understand what it is. And then the fourth category being, like, I I recognize that this is not for me, but I also don't understand it. Like, it just confuses me, which is where I would put, like, 85% of YouTube content would be in that fourth quadrant, where it's like, I I recognize that it's not for me, but I'm also baffled that it's for anybody. (laughs) Whereas, like, with this movie, it's like, oh, like, Andrew and his friends would have a night putting this on, you know, making jokes, having a good time with this movie. No problem. Like, I totally Vodka see... Vodka soda the by night. the gallons. Right. Like, you're all watching this, and whatever, and it's, like, the same category of, like, a RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's, like, it's not for me, but I get what other people like about it. I just don't... It's just not my thing. Whereas this... And I think this movie is firmly in that category. But it took me about 40 minutes to get to where I was like, oh, I get it. I still don't care for it, but at least I get it. Whereas the first 45 minutes, I was like, what are we doing? And why are we doing See, it? I was into it from the jump. I was like, this is camp. This is high camp. Failed Met Gala. Take notes. This is what camp is. Yeah. And it, until I realized what the, what we were doing, it didn't quite make sense to me. Because it's like... Kind of dream logically, logic-y. And then this next sequence here. So. A gay bar that's uh, not we'll, a gay we'll bar, that. but it's a gay bar. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the the other thing that I have, and I'm, this is, like, a really minor beef, but I really do not like the sound of jingling bells. 
Like it's a well, get ready for go go boys and the village people. Right. So it's like mom as a kid has this like reindeer sleigh bell thing she would hang on the front door at at Christmas. Our our mom used to do this. Used to. It's still there. Yeah, but I really don't like it. And like as a kid, I also didn't like it. Like it's a sound that I find grating, and I don't know why. That's weird. But it like. It goes on forever. Like, it's not just like, if it was just like a cymbal crash and it was over, it's like one thing, but it resonates and tinkles and I just don't care for it, which makes me sound like a real piece of shit. It's I really a weird thing to get. I don't like the sound of bells. I hate it. Like, whenever you go to a store on Christmas time, they've got some poor kid, like, walking around dressed like an elf and his shoes are jingling. I'm like, can we not? Can we super duper not? I do. I don't know. I find that sound really irritating. So this guy, this character, Philippe, Felipe, Philippe. I don't remember. And I just finished that movie. It's I, I can't remember how they pronounce it. it. It's spelled like you would pronounce it. It's one of those names. Anyway, he's the Native American character who they call the Indian in the movie, of course. And he is constantly jingling. And I'm just like, what? This is so annoying. Like, it had to be annoying on set, too. Like, you're trying to record the sound. And this guy's jing, jing, jangling all over the place. I'm sure the village people were used to it. I mean, maybe a poor Goot and everybody else are like trying to get their take out, and he's in the background eating. What? A, if, a no, you know what? I bet it, I in my dream of dreams, he didn't have bells on his costume, and then they ADR'd bells, and someone had to watch his feet and jingle with each step and movement. Anyway, I really don't like the sound of bells. I didn't. I, this movie made me like hard to ignore because he's so jingle jangly. So we go to this club. Gutenberg is spinning the records up in the DJ booth. Everybody's having a great time. They're dancing. Everyone looks like they're into it. It's, so it's really weird. It's, so he's, he's like, I'm a music writer, but also a DJ, which today are two very different things. Yeah, he was like, I, I came up with these songs, but it's like, well, they sound like Donna Summer songs. Like, I feel like I know, knew some of the music that they were playing there. You know what yeah, I mean? I was like, are, are you recording me? Who, who is singing this then? And I thought, like, he was like, oh, she asked if he was recording something. I was like, oh, maybe she meant, like, he's live remixing, right? Which is, like, an art form in itself and and, being able to do that well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even beyond, like, the girl talk, like, the super remixy version. Like, I think there's an art form into, like, even just crossfading two songs into each other really well. It's like, that's a talent. It takes skill and knowledge. Uh, So maybe that's what she's talking about. And then he like pulls the tape out. He's like, yeah, I got it right here. And he like hands it to her and then puts it back. And he's like, it's your number. Go dance. And it's the song that I guess he wrote for her because it has her name in the chorus. Apparently. But we cut to the dance floor and we're doing Ghostbusters effects on all these dancers. It's very strange. Yeah, it's this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's kind of why I love it. Like I wrote later, I'll just say it now. I'm going to make all of my gay friends watch this movie with me forever and ever and ever. I, yeah, I like I it, when I was watching this, I was like, he is going to be the person who brings this and introduces it to a lot of people who are really going to like it. It'll be a double you know like, I mean? like, like guys, double feature. It's Nightmare on Elm Street two, and can't stop the music. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, you get that really nice opportunity to be the person in your group of friends who finds something and gets to share it with everybody else to enjoy. And like, you, that's a really fun thing. I really, I personally take a lot of joy in like sharing a really great song with a friend group or, you know, a movie or whatever. It's really nice to give somebody something that they, they're going to appreciate. And I, I literally, that's about the turning point for me in the movie. Where I was like, Oh, he's going to show all of his friends, this movie, and it's going to become like a favorite of a bunch of people that are going to, who are really going to like this. And that's when I was like, okay, this just isn't for me. And that's fine. It's great. It's great for there to be content. Like not all the light bulb went off. Ca- 
Right. It was just like, you know, I've said many times, not all content needs to be catered for the straight white doofus. Like, I don't need it all to be aimed for me. It's okay for other people to have things for them. Um, and then I kind of just relaxed into the campy Muppetness of this, and I enjoyed it's it. It's a Muppet that. movie without Muppets, which I guess... Yeah, it really is. ...is the... I'm going to say that's the out-of-context quote for the episode. Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably pretty accurate. And it's it's like... I don't know why they wasn't just a gay bar. Like, it should have just been a gay bar. There's a lot of, like, innuendo dancing around the homosexuality of the movie, and you're like, hey, are you watching the rest of it? Because they're about to do YMCA, and there's just going to be a bunch of dicks everywhere. This is the only non-R-rated movie to have full frontal male nudity. Yeah, and I'm like, this... I'm not doing a bit. Like, there's just dicks all over the place in, like, 20 minutes. It's just... Dicks for days. So, like, mm-hmm. who are you protecting and what are you protecting them from? Yeah, I don't, I was, that's what doesn't make sense. Like, that's in the movie. Like, you scripted right. that and, like, presumably, like, storyboarded how that sequence was going to go. And right. still wouldn't just say that, like, a bunch of homos running around. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't Although, really understand. Although, even on the Wikipedia, I don't know that any of the village people's, like, individual pages says whether or not they're gay. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We've talked about this not on the podcast before, and it's like, I get why for someone who's an activist or is like, makes it a fundamental part of their existence, why that kind of information would be relevant. But on some level, I'm like, does it, it's not really that important of a detail about a person, right? Like, you can tell a perfectly fine biography about the people in the village people without having to perfectly illustrate whether they were gay or not. I mean... I have a pretty good feeling. I don't, well, I don't think based on the. I think it said almost like there was there was at least one straight guy in the group. It seemed like it on Wikipedia, but I don't know. Um, yeah. But I think in terms of visibility, it's not a bad thing to be like, oh, it's a gay person. Agreed. In yeah, this group yeah, yeah, or whatever. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and certainly, by the way that they made their music and dressed and danced and everything, it seems like they were all gay. So. Maybe you're right. Maybe it would be vital information there. Uh, I, another thing I think is interesting about this movie, and we'll we'll get back on track with the plot in a second, is Caitlyn Jenner is now a huge figure in rights for trans people because she's the most visible transgender person in ever, the world probably. right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, at least right now. And she is in this movie before she came out and before she transitioned and you know, started living life as Caitlyn. And I wonder, I mean, she's talked about in interviews about how it's been something she's kind of known her whole life. And it's like, I wonder how much of that is part of the reason you're in this movie with the village people. And it's Oh, that's like, an interesting point. And, and, but also, like, how tough it must have been for somebody who is kind of watching, you know, the first rumblings of cultural acceptance for somebody who's not a straight person. And then having this other thing that she's dealing with. So this whole movie, honestly, I was just like trying to think about what it must have been like for her in making this movie to presumably have these like troublesome internal conversations all the time of like, you know, struggling to live her life as best she could and under the circumstances and the hand she was dealt and the societal hand. I mean, not, not necessarily the um, being a trans person. But like, just not only that, but the way society like that, there was not even the remote here, you know, the, the remotest uh, 
recognition of, of trans people in the 70s and 80s. Certainly not like it is now. And it was just something I thought was really interesting, like watching this whole movie where it's like very openly gay as a movie. And then she is there kind of as part of this thing. And I don't know. I just thought I found that really, really interesting while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, also, just a disclaimer. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner uh, plays the character Ron, who is male identified. Yeah. Uh, so we will be using male pronouns when discussing the character, but that is not to intentionally misgender or you know, negate someone's gender identity. It's just for the character is a man, but yeah. Caitlin, Caitlin is a woman. And just to clarify that for everyone listening. Yeah. And, and Ron, the character has a hell of a Pete Rose haircut, which oof a doof. Is that a bad look? Yeah. I also found it fascinating that uh, Ron was like the straight man against the village people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. And the other part that I think is really wild, just in like a general construct of a movie, every other version of this that you would make, Steve Gutenberg and the woman would be the couple. I not loved that. some other person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're just friends. We always talk about this. And we just, I mean, people can just be friends. And they're actually just friends. There's no romantic subplot at all. They're just friends who care about There's each like other. There's like one joke about dating and that is it. Yeah, and it's a sincere joke, not that kind of thing where, like, some dude is really into a woman, like, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if we made out, and she has to pretend And then like she slow-mo walks away while, like, a sad song uh-huh. plays. It's, like, actually a joke about, you know, them dating. I don't know. I, I found that really I wrote great. that note, too. No, I love that bit. Uh, so Sam, the woman that Steve Gutenberg lives with, is, is trying to get him a record deal, and she's you know, actively making some calls. She's a former model who quit kind of at the height of her everything. She's just like, didn't find a fulfilling. So she's kind of aimlessly looking for something. And this is probably my favorite scene of the movie where Gutenberg's like, come in and watch, listen to my song. And he calls her in and he has the song playing very loudly. And it's a demo that he recorded. So he's doing the vocals. Presumably he played all the instruments. And then he starts singing the melody of the song over the song while it's playing moments after having asked his friend and confidant to come listen to it. So he's like, come in and listen to it. And he's, that's, that's noise is not the music. That noise is him making sounds while she's like, I'm trying to listen to it. Shut up. I will. Uh, Samantha's old manager calls her and wants her to get back into business. And the, this manager character is 100% a character Kate McKinnon would play on SNL. Yeah, I think so. I also had a real tough time telling all of these, not Sam, who actually is a character, but there's a lot of like tertiary women in this movie. The older women? Who are barely, yeah, who are barely characters and all dress almost the same and all have almost the same color hair and all have almost the same speaking voice. And I was just like, you have got to cast people who don't seem like the same person. And if you're going to do that, you need to dress them. It's like style them differently because yes. I genuinely cannot tell these people apart. <laughs> I was like desperate for them to call each other by name like psycho robots. I was like, yes, Karen, that's a great idea. What do you think, Darcy? Yes, like, I brother. needed that so badly. Yes. I was like, please, please do this for a stupid people like me because I cannot tell who anybody is. Uh, so she's also trying to get uh, people together to be part of uh, the Goot singing group. Um, and so there's a lot of little gay has, things hidden in this movie. And I'll point, I'll be like the pop-up video of gay life for you. <laughs> I don't know if this is, this is a gay thing, but she has the smallest ice cream cone. She does. It's, it's a gelato. It's, 
it's, she has a two flavor coat. First of all, it changes what flavor ice cream it is. Constantly. I didn't catch that. It's, it's like, well, it's sort of like a purple. It's, there's sort of like a vanilla looking color and then a purple. And then later it's vanilla with chocolate chips very clearly. And then it looks almost like chocolate. And then it's back to the purple color. And the purple color is the one she uses the longest because it's clearly not ice cream because it's not melting. And she's it's just purple like mashed talking. potatoes. Yeah. Well, then she has to take a bite of it and you can see her like, like stick her tongue out and pretend to bite it. And then she's like pretending to chew because it's like, clearly she's not supposed to. She like turns to the side, opens her mouth and puts it next to her face. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly it. She's like, Ooh, this whole cone. And and then you see it fall on the ground. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like, why the why did you use for the take where she has to bite the p- mashed potato purple ice cream? This poor actress. Because the there's one shot where it's clearly vanilla with chocolate chips, and it's, it's dripping melting. all over. It's all over her hand. Yeah, the poor actress. Also, it's like every version of this that could suck with this ice cream cone. We've got it. Um. But as she's talking, she casually, someone casually says like, oh, do you have a handkerchief? And the gay guy goes, oh, I do. And pulls a handkerchief out of his back pocket, which is a huge, like in the gay community in the 80s and now, but more in the 80s, the hanky code was a way to signal, hey, I'm gay and this is what I'm into. So it's sort of like a, a gang thing, like the Bloods and the Crips, the gay folks have like a, Less, a more I mean, flamboyant. Kind of, I wouldn't say it would be like that. It's more of just like, uh, we, it was, it's called flagging because it's like, oh, it's like waving the flag of what you're into, but quietly. Makes sense. And then... It's like a real version of all that stuff they always do panic uh, panic news reports on for parents. They're like, kids are using these bracelets. So yeah, the, those the rubber heinous. sex bracelets for tweens yeah, yeah, was yeah, a real yeah. thing with gay dudes in the 80s and now. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so this is the construction worker... Yes, this is when she recruits the cowboy and the construction worker, but she also runs into Philippe, who, just in case you were wondering, is still wearing bells and jingle jangling all over the movie. Yeah, he's a go-go boy, so he's I guess it's, he's just like always going to work. I will say, also, just a caveat, since I should have said it earlier, I do not mind a sleigh bell in like a movie, or as a signifier that like Santa or a reindeer is nearby, like... When it is in the context of, like, Christmas magic, I have less of an issue with it, but I just don't need people running around wearing jingle You are talking about this sleigh bell thing as though you are a politician talking about a shameful prostitute. People are going to come after me for the sleigh bells thing. I guarantee you people. I'm going to get a text from mom the day day of or the day after this airs, when she's going to be like, I can't believe you said those mean things about the thing I hang on the door at Christmas time. I guarantee you. The society of sleigh bells is going to come for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the construction worker sings a dream sequence song that is just so much glitter. It like makes my yeah. body hurt because I yeah. hate glitter. And I was just like, oh no, this would be a mess. Some poor PA has to vacuum, has to sweep all the glitter into one spot and then shop vac it out of there six times. Yeah. And then they have to get out the scraper and like get all the stuff that's embedded in the floor from sweat and whatnot. Ugh. Also, so this is one of the parts where I was like confused about all the characters who the older women characters, they this this ends and we cut to a woman like hailing a taxi on the street. And she's it's the agent. But I didn't realize that until later, who she kind of always is wearing purple, which I think is the, a little Helpful. bit of what I was needing. Yeah, yeah. But she's like bending in the window of a taxi, either paying after having just gotten out or getting in. I can't remember which. 
And this random old woman walks by and whaps her on the ass with a loaf of French She bread. did it in the beginning to Steve Gutenberg. Oh, I must have been missing that while I was zoning out yeah. of the... Okay, okay. Someone skipped five minutes ahead at the beginning of I the movie. I actually didn't fast forward. I just started like looking up information about the movie because I was like, oh my God, this is so long. And we'll get there. There's some wild things said about this movie later. Oh, I didn't look into that. If you pull this up on Wikipedia, there's a section where the guy who created this movie talks about it being like a star making vehicle for all of the people involved in it. And he thinks it's like, he's like, Robert Redford, he's like in his 40s. We need some young talent here. This is time for time for younger people. Interesting. Okay. It's pretty wild. And then uh, we see uh, Ron come down the street with a bake with a cake. And this old lady gets knocked the fuck down by a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. It is. And everybody else is totally oblivious to it, which is like a very that's New, York. New York thing. Yeah, it's like, old lady shouldn't have crossed outside a crosswalk. What do you want? Do you want a apartment? It's rent controlled. <laughs> you got to pretend to be a grandson, though. It's going to be a ruse you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. It's a, But it's a really great stunt. Um it is, it is. I was it genuinely is. taken aback. Like, oh, God. And then... And this is Caitlyn Jenner's character, Ron, even though we said that. I'm just making sure people know who we're talking about, because it's the stunt casting of the movie, for sure. Oh, I mean, other than the village people? Well, the village people were the movie. Oh, the stunt okay. casting is when you're like, we're throwing in noted decathlete, which is a thing I want to talk about as well, Caitlyn Jenner. What what events are in a decathlon? Do you know? Right. Are we getting into this yeah, now? Or should, should we wait? No, let's wait till YMCA. Let's wait till YMCA because then it's relevant. okay. All right, and it is that okay. That is probably the logical part to talk about it. Um, and uh, Ron runs over to help the old woman up, and she pulls a gun on him and is like, "Keep the cake. Give me your shit. <laughs> it, leave the gun. Take the yeah." Clothes. Basically, and and then the motorcycle doubles back around, and the old lady gets on the back of it, and it's like, "Don't move till we turn the corner." And I love that. Like, why is that scam yeah, not I- used more often in movies? I don't know. It's really, really great. I love the, the, the nasty old lady bit of it. It's really funny to me. I, I wonder if it's in that terrible remake of D- Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and then the old lady would tear off her face and re- it would like cut away, then cut back to Anne Hathaway. I feel like that is way too smart and sophisticated for what is probably a giant flaming turd. I don't think that's sophisticated. So we're setting up this backyard recording studio. All of the recording someone... sessions are done not where you should record things. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to call myself an expert, but I have been doing this hobby into semi-professionally for five years now. And I wouldn't do that unless I was like, hey, folks, really sorry, but this was like a really special opportunity and we had to take advantage. So we're recording outside. Like, no, it's going to sound like complete ass. Yeah. Um. And so uh, Sam, it's, it's, it's at the apartment that they live in together, and Sam's making lasagna, and her contact falls in. So were contacts new in the 80s? Because they're in I everything. Oh, they, they are. And also, they, I, I can try to look that up, but also the other part of it that's wild is she has a mustard jar and a relish jar that she uses to keep her contacts in. That's so, why she kept talking, because I missed that, and I was like, why did she keep talking about this? I didn't get it until like the third or fourth time it comes up when she takes it out and then she puts her her uh, contact lens in Perrier, which seems like it would genuinely burn you like acid if you put it back in your eye. It wouldn't eye. be great, no. 
between carbonation and also the lemon, the little hint of lemon in a Perrier. There's no hint of lemon in a Perrier unless you pick that flavor. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was lemon. No, nope, Perrier's plain. Is it mineral water? Yes. Is that, I don't like, okay, that's why I don't like it. I was like, I don't, I don't care for it. I don't know why. Um, and Sam's doorbell rings, and it's Ron, and he goes, "Your sister sent a cake." And Sam's like, "Come on in." What? Yeah, who is this guy? He's got a Pete Rose haircut and a cake, and I, yeah, I would be like, "You're gonna wait outside. I'm gonna call my sister, and we're gonna verify some things." Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I love the subplot where Lulu, the best friend of Sam is trying to get Steve Gutenberg high. She's like, he's Her like, character he's is like, just an instigator, but with no end game. Yeah. Well, later she becomes like their lead roadie or something like that, but she's just like a hanger on. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's not like she's like, Ooh, I'm going to get him high. So that blank will happen. She's just like, I'm gonna get you high. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, he says he's, he's like, I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. She's like, I got a solution for that. And she pulls out a little joint. She's like waving it under his nose and whatnot. But then later, he smokes it, although we don't see it in the movie. And the police officer, village person, I've never had to think of the village person, not as a collector. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the police officer, village person shows up and Goot, they do that thing in movies where they like really don't know how to represent any sort of drugs or drunkenness. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything is like shifty and blurry. And he's like panicking because it's a cop. I was like, oh, this is going to be funny. He's going to be like freaking out about the cop and like trying to avoid him and no not at all like they imply that he's going to have that problem and then he just doesn't have it yeah the the pot didn't need it was padding this whole movie is padding um then goot's mom shows up who i genuinely love so pop-up video game moment here goot's mom is june havoc also known to some as dainty or baby june featured in the musical gypsy her sister, Gypsy Rose Lee, is, like, the most famous burlesker ever. And they had an overbearing stage mother that drove June to run away from home with one of the other members of the group and elope and, like, try and start her own career. That's pretty amazing. Also, June Havoc definitely sounds like a wrestler. Right? Well, so her name was Hovick, and then she changed it to Havoc because uh, Hollywood. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, like, an icon of, of musical theater... Yeah, no, that's really awesome. It's I, I assumed that several of the background players in this movie, maybe not background players, but like other tertiary characters would be people that you definitely knew who they were, and I did not. Yeah. And then they have a recording session where they all sing and dance, which like you don't don't dance while you're recording. Yeah, that doesn't help anything. Um and everyone is just throwing themselves at Ron. Who really doesn't care for it, nope, which is kind not of- at all. But it's so later we see Ron in various states of undress and obviously being an Olympic decathlete does a body good. Who would have thought? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But in a baggy 80s suit, how can you tell that? I do not know. Also, later Gutenberg wears one that just looks like a couch. Yeah, he's just sh- real schlubby. And I love that this is the it's the real band. It's not like people pretending and trying to sound like the village people. It's just like, oh, no, this is the village people. It's fine. Yeah, although, like, it does that thing that a lot of musical movies do where, like, they start singing and suddenly the audio quality wildly changes. <laughs> like, you can totally tell it's a backing track. Yeah. Uh, and so Ron leaves because um, he's, he's like, I don't, this is too weird for me. 
Yeah, and then we cut to the next day, and we've got Gutenberg at the apartment wearing just white overalls and no shirt. It's a this movie is a me lookbook. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Later on, Jenner for one scene and one scene only wears literally an outfit I've seen you wear. I so we that scene like happened. Crop top and tiny shorts. That scene happened. I paused it and walked, and I was like, "Hey, Caitlin's dressed like me," and my boyfriend was like, "Oh my god, you're right." Yeah. Exactly. Um, I was trying to pull this up for using later, and uh, as I was scrolling through the Wikipedia, uh, I have to just say this fact now, even though it's not relevant to what we're talking about. Baskin-Robbins, I guess we were talking about ice cream. Oh, yeah. Baskin-Robbins sold a limited time flavor called, I'm quoting here, Can't Stop the Nuts as promotion for the film. Which, like, that's not a pun. So someone at Baskin-Robbins Corporate is gay. Yeah. It's not necessarily a pun, but it's definitely an innuendo. Yeah. It's the same as the uh, lesbian Subaru ads. Yes, exactly. Hidden in plain like sight. Two, two, two women and a dog. Um, so Sam is being harassed by every music label she tries to contact to get the them booking. And they're all like, hey, toots, why don't you uh, talk it over dinner? And I was like, god damn it. <laughs> the old classics coming out to play. Um. And she's like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to take this onto my terms. I'm going to manipulate the best one we can find. And that's what she does. And I love it. It's very Jessica Rabbit. Like, she's in control. Yeah. No, I, I think she's a really fun and good character. I Like, I, I like her little scheming. I, I think her relationship with Gutenberg's really good. And honestly, the relationship with the uh, Jenner's character is pretty good, too. Like, there's some stuff that gets kind of hand-waved away. I, I don't quite understand... Uh, We'll get to it in a second, but there's a moment where she thinks Jenner's character is married and then turns out, no, they're getting divorced. And I'm like, why is this in the, it's never brought up again. It's not like, it's not like one a of big many, to-do why later. is this here? Yeah. Like this is a scene we didn't need anyway. So we go, uh, I also, uh, wanted to mention that the guy that she goes to see her old, like flame, I guess is straight up dollar store, Neil Gaiman, which is a weird thing. He is. Yeah, like the hair and the like, sort of tall, like long face look. Oh, I got kind of a um, poor man's Tim Burton. Are they the same? Uh, I would argue that uh, Tim Burton is the poor man's Neil Gaiman in terms of talent and quality of output. But I'm, I'm talking just... visually. Yeah, I, I'm talking a whole package. Well, no, because Neil Gaiman isn't a music producer, so you're talking well, visually he's... about this character. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm I'm talking about. Tim Burton as the dollar store version of Neil Gaiman in any aspect you want to compare them. Looks, talent. Okay, calm down. Relationship with Johnny Depp. Calm down. Um, so she... But he does this, like, pretty good... Like, the, 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 the guy I didn't recognize from anything else, I looked him up, does this kind of fun, at least in this sequence, Gene Wilder slash... It's very Gene um, Wilder. Uh, Martin Short, like not annoying Martin Short, like that's a hard very, line to walk. I know, but when he's when it's working, this is very much it. Of like, he's obsessed with answering the phone, and there's a really I genuinely laughed out loud. This is when I kind of turned my opinion on the movie toward like, oh, I get what's happening. Uh, he's like kissing her neck and saying like sweet nothings to her of like, oh, I missed you, I missed your touch, whatever. But he's it, the camera flips around, he's touching a phone. <laughs> like he's he's stroking the top of the receiver on the phone 
and it's like, oh, he's he's a, he's that guy. I get it. So yeah, and so she tricks him into listening, coming to listen to them. I guess was what it was. Yeah. Um, and when she leaves, she sees Ron, but I don't think they're, they're they they don't work in the same building. So why was Ron there? I don't know. There's no logical explanation. Hand wave. Yeah. Um, and they end up talking outside and Sam hails a taxi by sticking her sexy leg out. Yeah. Yeah. After Jenner tries to wave one down and it doesn't work. She's just like, like a real Jessica rabbit. As you mentioned before, just pulls, sticks that leg out. And all of a sudden taxis are like crashing into each other. One like falls from the sky. Yeah, see, that's the difference. Like, that's the tone that I feel like we should have had here. Because we almost get there, but we don't. And if it had literally been, like, three taxis get into an accident trying to stop for her and she gets into the fourth taxi with Jenner's character, I would have been totally, like, I would have, it would have been more like, oh, yeah, okay, I got what we're doing here. That's fair. It's sort of, yeah, again, leaning into the camp and and nonsense of it all. Yeah. So they go back to the uh, apartment, and this is where... She's putting her contacts. This is when I figured out why she kept asking for mustard. This and is relish, why I wrote. Why does she keep talking about condiments for her contacts? Yeah. So she has like empty jars of each of those. So she puts her contacts. And so to answer your question from 10 minutes ago, perhaps contacts were new. Perhaps contacts were so new. They hadn't figured out like, boy, we should give people a thing to put them in when they're not in their eyeballs. Yeah. That now that sh- the shitty one that comes with every contact order. Right. The cage, so the vertical this- cage one is the worst. Sorry. It's unrelated, but the, there's several ways to store your contact. What? When I was younger, oh. the f- first one I- I, I was like genuinely terrified as to what you were about to talk about. I was like, vertical cage? What the hell? So normally there's like most people have the like, they're, they're stored flat. They're sort of horizontal. But I had one that was like, it was a little, uh, the lid had a little flat, like, vertical cage thing that had two sides that opened up, and you put your contacts in there and sealed it shut, and then dipped the whole thing into the contact solution, and it was annoying. It's almost like the thing they use on the first episode of the hit television show from the 90s, Erie, Indiana, as a sp- particular piece of Tupperware that is only used to store pickles. What? That sounds great. It was like a thing like that where you would lift it up and the pickles were in like vertical slots so you could like, like a barbicide thing yeah basically like a barbicide thing yes huh. anyways ron spills lasagna on his pants so his pants have to come off and this is okay weird. all right all right all right if you pulled a tray of lasagna out of the oven and then someone bumped you and you dumped it on your pants you would basically have poured napalm on your crotch like he does not react strongly enough to what happens to him in this moment. Yeah, it's so weird. It, it's it's only like, the, it's, the sequence is only there so that we can snowball into them both naked on top of each other. Right, and I don't need it. It doesn't need to be here in my Village People movie. I know, honestly, like I would have been fine if it was like they spilled juice on the character's pants or something like that. Like I don't mind the like contrived way to get the character's pants off. But if I spilled a tray, you're pulling a tray of lasagna out of the oven. It's been in there at 350 for 45 plus minutes. It's 400 degrees of melty, gooey cheese, tomato sauce, and noodles. It's a literal weapon. Like, if you threw that at a person's bare skin, they would be burned so badly. You're right. 
and 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 the character's doing like a ooh ooh hot leg hot leg kind of reaction instead of just like screaming and crying, which is what they should be doing. Yeah, exactly. And I just again, I don't need the shoehorned romance nonsense unless it's the members of the band getting laid. Get the <laughs> yeah. fuck out of town. I think this is like the mild appeal to the straight people. Yeah, I guess that mattered. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're doing like a love story and like you can you can make this like the center of some of the TV spots so people go into the movie thinking it's like a cute date night movie. We know straight people can't identify with things that aren't also straight. Right, exactly. And the seduction scene is actually kind of insane. Like for some reason there's a barber chair in this house and Yeah, why does she have that? It doesn't it has no explanation and Jenner sits in the barber chair and then starts like pumping the uh, the handle of it and gets like flipped backwards and then she comes in the room and ends up her dress gets stuck and then she has to straddle him and then she's like wiggling out of the dress it's this then, real contrived shoehorn nonsense and then she's tickling tickling the character's feet and I'm like what are we doing here and whose fetish are we indulging yeah it's just like if this is the arbitrary hetero plot line for the movie just get it in, get it out. Like, come on. Let's get back to Village People. Or set the this other... to a Village People song. Yeah, yeah, you could have done that. Although I'm not sure tonally that would have really synced. But yeah, you could try it. The other thing that I think is really weird in this spot too is it's the tone of this sex scene is like the one in the Naked Gun movies. Do you remember the scene in I don't I don't I think it's the first one. I think it's one of the sequels, but we definitely watched it at some point or another where Leslie Nielsen and this woman are about to have sex and they're like he's like one of them is like, "Oh, I always use protection." And they put on these like condoms that they roll down from their head over to their feet and they're just like kind of pushing against each other. It's like obscenely silly over the top, silly goofy I nonsense. I don't know what that's from. It's a naked gun scene. I thought we had watched it on a men's weekend or something, but it's possible. Um, but the tone of this scene is so spoofy. Like uh, Ron is carrying Sam down the hallway in like a very traditional way, and that like they go into the bedroom and she pushes the light switch with her foot, and then he she's like over there and she clicks a lamp off, and then he like stumbles into the bed and she's like, "Oh, you're pretty clumsy." on your feet there. And he's like, well, I guess it won't matter for a little while. And then he proceeds to just like knock the lamp over like his arm had a spasm. It's just so goofy. And so they presumably, presumably they bone. And then the next morning, Ron is like trying to get out of bed, but like won't get out of bed. Cause he can't take the sheets with him. What do you, what did, what did Sam see last night? I, well, also like she murmurs and immediately rolls back over and falls asleep. And then we're watching, the character like struggle to find their pants and then put the pants on. And it's like, just get up and show your, like, I, I'm sure what happened is Jenner didn't want to show their butt. And it was like, Hey, we need you to show your butt here. And it was like, Nope, I'm on Wheaties boxes, pal. (laughs) Like I got a reputation to uphold. Thank you. Although I feel like, cause I'm trying to remember when did the, um, is it Burt Reynolds in the pantyhose, or is it a football player in the pantyhose? Uh, in the bu- 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 in that uh, Dolly Parton movie? No, no, no. There's a famous ad of like a macho man, like a Burt Reynolds type, in like legs pantyhose to show like some weird thing about them. It's like a famous thing that's dumb and makes no sense. 
I think you're talking about uh, the guy who played for the Jets. But it was in the 80s, right? Wasn't that around that time when, like, it was acceptable to start showing your body? I feel like it's in the 70s. I I mean, Bruce – Jesus, I'm all mixed up now. Uh, Burt Reynolds also posed for Playgirl, didn't he? I mean, probably. Like, there's a pretty famous photo of him mostly naked. On the bearskin rug, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's I think it's more I think it's less what you're saying and more that the image of the decathlete on the Wheaties box was something that was trying to be maintained and not I'm a sexy heartthrob. Oh, got it. Okay. It's it's more of like a hey, this is a family show and not like a society doesn't care for your sexiness. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. Um so Ron offers the uh, his office to the group to hold auditions for more members because they only have three right now, right? Right. Well, we've got the cowboy, the construction worker, and the Native American. And yeah. We're about to add the leather guy and the leather man. Uh, it's a GI. Okay, the leather man, the leatherman, and uh, the GI. Um, which the GI is the one I always forget about. Yeah, I was like, there's no army man in the village people, and then I looked it up, and I was very much wrong. Well, the best is, so, two seasons ago on RuPaul's Drag Race, they had a challenge where they had to take the aesthetic of the village people and turn it into, like, a high-fashion look or whatever, and there were only five drag queens, and everyone was like, oh, they're so they're just gonna cut out the Native American, because there's no way to do that properly, Yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. gonna be happy. No, they cut out the GI. <laughs> so some poor drag queen... Was it tastefully Native American? Um, no. No. Okay. It wasn't great. It also was an ugly outfit. Like, if, if it had been, like... I feel like there is a way in which you can make a version of that that is tasteful and not disrespectful that's still probably cultural appropriation in a way that sucks. Yeah, because, well, this season of Drag Race, one of the queens has Native American heritage and did a look that was inspired. I was like, that's 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 the look. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is also very important that I think the person dressing that way should have some relation to the culture in which it comes from. I agree. There's a there's a wrestler uh, who has been doing it for a long time, but I saw a picture of her in an outfit that was very uh, Native American reminiscent, and I was like, "Ooh, that's not a great look." And then I felt like a real schmuck because she actually is i can't remember which tribe she's a member of but she actually is and i was like oh you're just an asshole you were like you don't look like the thing that i think you should look like so you can and i was like nope you're an asshole that you, was a, that wrong. was part of it, the show i just directed was a disney musical spoof and pocahontas is one of the characters and i was like we need to find someone who is native american like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the guy that puts a white girl right on stage for that and so we found uh, our actress was uh, had like tribal heritage, um, and so we like it was like in her bio and all that because she like she looks kind of white, but we were like, oh no, they're like you're right. Native American. I'm not going to be the white guy who says you don't look Native enough. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I I luckily had that entire conversation. I just told the world that I had all inside my head, and so until this exact moment, no one knew about it but me. Yeah. Um, so in the audition room, it's as though they're auditioning for like America's Got Talent because there's just random variety. That's exactly what it is. Yes. And they're all weirdos. So it's America's Got Talent. Got a, a guy juggling knives of just like various shapes. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, there's a Rocky Horror reference tossed in there. 
Yeah, yeah, I caught that too. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a 98. I was a 98 pound wink, weakling. Wink. Oh, that's. I mean, that might have been a reference to Rocky Horror, but that phrase is like culturally ubiquitous. Oh, it is. Yeah, like in the back of old uh, comic books, they'd be like, you, "Don't be a 98 pound weakling. Send away for so and so." I apologize. Body, I didn't know but, that. I no, I mean it, from Rocky Horror. It is also used in Rocky Horror. I'm just saying it might just be culturally. Anyway, uh, Jenner's parents arrive and are like, what the hell's going on here with all these village people all over the place? And then suddenly everyone's like, what did you say? I like it was basically a like plink on the piano and everyone like turned and smiled at the camera. That is why I don't like biopics, because there's almost always a scene just like that where they do that. And I'm just like, I get it. Well, I'm. I wouldn't be shocked if something along those lines was how they got their name. Like, I, right, although I, of- I bet it was the music producer being like, "Look, I just need a group of six village people on stage." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so Jenner ends up quitting here. They have like a big fight with the parents. They're like, "Oh, what is this nonsense? You're a serious person. This is frivolous." And Jenner's like, "F that! I want to do this, and I quit." Um. And in walks Daddy Glenn Hughes, the leather man, who never takes off his outfits. He is always dressed like that. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, which, I, I, like, he's got, like, a j- leather jacket on, unzipped about his belly button, huge crop of chest and belly hair. And he's like, I work at the toll booth. And I'm like, dressed like that? You would melt in a little booth. Yeah, you're a little hot box. Um... Yeah, he's like walking Tom of Finland, and then he gets on the piano and sings Danny Boy. Because I was like, oh, what song are we going to lead into to get him in the band? And it yeah, was... it's a very nice performance of the song, too. I was like, oh, never mind. I thought this was going to be like in the Navy. Like, I was like, oh, we're going to get something like fun. And then they clearly couldn't figure out how to get out of this scene. So they have a guy come in and twirl fire batons until he sets off the sprinklers. Oh, we also, this everybody... is also where the GI comes in, his girlfriend. Yes, he does get it. Wait, hang on. No, we missed the cop. They get the cop. Did we talk about the cop before when we said three? Yes. We mentioned the cop at the party. The cop, the cowboy, the Native American. Right. We talked about the cop at the party. The other one is the construction worker. The construction worker. So we're up to four and we got just got five and six. Yes. Yes. We talked about the cop at the in the context of the party. I missed him, I think, rattling them off earlier. Um, Yeah, that's what I meant. We missed him rattling off who we have so far. Yeah. but anyway, that's how they get out of the scene. They're like, we got to, we got to, like, clearly someone was like, we have to figure out a way to end this scene. And it's like, I know, we'll just have the sprinklers go off. Cut to the band walking down the street. Everybody's quit their jobs and we're all in this together. And this is where uh, Ron is in my outfit of crop top and jean shorts, except with a way more rockin' bod than I will ever have. Um, I would like to read you the quote from the producer about the star turn this was going to be for uh, Jenner. Uh, He obviously did not say Caitlyn in this quote, but I'm going to say Caitlyn. Caitlyn Jenner is going to be the Robert Redford of the 80s, and this film will do for Valeria what Carnal Knowledge did for Anne Margaret. Margaret. This movie is a revolution. I mean, this movie is launching whole new careers, and we need new stars today. Warren and Ryan and Redford, these people are way over 40. Huh. So he thinks that... Uh, Caitlyn Jenner in this Pete Rose haircut is taking over for arguably one of the most handsome actors in the history of the business, Robert Redford. So, also supremely talented. Like, yes, Robert Redford is an attractive man, but genuinely great. 
Caitlyn Jenner in this movie can barely string together a whole sentence. I think I think they're pa- they're fine. They're a perfectly competent performer. I I disagree. I think that they stink real bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they they're not terrible cuz I we've watched a lot of garbage on this show. Yeah, but I like looking at this character, I like even if you think this performance is really good, do you see it as a leading a leading man cuz obviously at the time that's what everybody would have that's what the you know they would have been doing. I don't know. I mean, the character, it, it's weird because Steve Gutenberg's character is like the central role in the movie. Right, right. So it's weird that they well, wouldn't. Well, have, he had that Gutenberg heat. But it's weird that they wouldn't have given the star turn, like the person they were trying to make a star turn for wouldn't have been that character. Yeah, I think they were envisioning a whole bunch of movies with Jenner as the lead in a couple movie, like a romantic comedy. Uh, okay, that's fair. Um, and. We get a, a gay-ass dream come true in the YMCA music video featuring penis. So many dicks. Dicks for days. The only reason this sequence is in the movie is so that we can get a bunch of decathlon nonsense wedged in there. So what events are in a decathlon? All right. On the first day, you got your 100 meters, your long jump, your shot put, your high jump, and the 400 meters. So it's running, jumping, it- and throwing. Two different types of, uh, but the skill set, I mean, is yeah, yeah, two different types. It's it's jumping for distance and jumping for height. Okay, but I I just mean like you are correct. I was just clarifying so people understand the difference between the two events. On day two, you got your hurdles, a discus throw, a pole vault, a javelin throw, and the fifteen hundred meters. Okay, so distance running. So uh, it's just all of middle school track put in one thing. Yes. Now here's here's my question. I'm not a summer Olympics guy. I don't think you're an Olympics guy at all. I mean, I like the I like uh, the gay ones, Adam Rapon and Gus Kenworthy. But if there were an Olympic events that would hold your interest, would they be summer events or or winter events? I guess winter more often. Okay, I'm always I've always been a winter Olympics fan. Yeah, I like, I like the figure. I mean, I watch figure skating when it's cool, but. Yeah, I like hockey. Obviously, we've touched about that on here before, but I also like the weird stuff. Like, I like the skeleton and the luge and the bobsled, like the kind of weird nonsense you don't see elsewhere. Curling. Summer Olympics. Yeah, curling. I'll, I I genuinely like watching curling for two hours every four years. I look forward to it. Same with the World Cup. It's like, I'll watch five soccer matches. You know, that's all I have the, the mental capacity to care about, but I'll watch that. But I've never been a Summer Olympics person. And within that, as a subset... I couldn't name a decathlete outside of Jenner who I mostly know now as this transgender icon that made me aware of the other thing. But even in the beginning, before the, you know, the whole conversation about you know transgender and transitioning and all that, when when they rose kind of back to prominence on the back of the Kardashian nightmare, it's like, wait, people gave this much a shit about the decathlon? And so I was reading about this while watching the 47 musical numbers in this movie today. And I think the reason why... Was it like America's first high placement? No. America was great at the decathlon for like the first hundred years of the Olympics. America just like stomped all over this. Then the Soviet... Throwing, running, and jumping. We got this. Alone. exactly. Running, throwing, jumping by yourself. We got this covered. Yeah. So... America has this huge run of dominance. Some other countries win in there, but largely the gold medal goes home with America for uh, the bulk of the Olympics until the uh, 
60s and 70s. Germany wins one, and then America wins again, and then the Russians win in, like, 72, I want to say, I think is the accurate thing, because I think Jenner wins in 76. So Russia wins, and it's right in the middle of the Cold War, and so it becomes this, like, they took our medal, like, Russia, Russia, Russia thing. And also, the Americans were using amateur athletes, and the Russians' athletes were essentially professional athletes because they were members of the army who were just paid to train and do this. It's the same story with the 1980 Miracle on Ice hockey team. It's a bunch of ragtag college kids versus these professional Soviet players, and they happen to beat them. So Jenner wins the the gold in 76 and i think the reason why everyone gives such a shit is probably like the narrative being oh russia 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 our amateurs can't compete and then here comes this plucky again i'm putting the narrative on here but here comes this plucky american amateur miss jenner who you know comes in not only wins but sets a new record in the decathlon because it's a the the you get points for your performance in the decathlon and you add them up. Oh. But what's crazy is that record doesn't even last that long. It gets broken in 1980 and then for over the next 30 40 years as most sports records have been obliterated. It's not it's no longer even in the top 25 the the high score from 1976. Huh. Yeah. When was Bobby so Fischer in all it's, that? Bobby Fischer played chess. I know, but Bobby Fischer, he still beat Russia. It was still a thing, oh. wasn't it? I, 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 th- I thought you were asking me about Bobby Fischer as a decathlete, and I was like, No, oh, not as a decathlete, as like, someone else who fought Russia. Why did everyone care about Russia Bobby Fischer? In non-fighting terms. Uh, yeah, I think he did, but also didn't Bobby Fischer beat a computer or play a computer? I thought that was part of it. So I know that there's... The- I, Kasparov, I remember in the context of Bobby Fischer, and that's a person, and that sounds Russian. So you're probably correct. In well, because there's a Russian musical... Stuff. The guys, the group ABBA wrote another musical called Chess, and it's terrible, but it's about this chess match between ostensibly Bobby Fischer and the Russian guy. I thought Bobby Fischer's also big deal was because he was like a tiny baby. No, I think he's like an adult, like a human adult. No, he was U.S. chess champion at age 14 and was a grandmaster of chess at age 15. Oh, damn. Okay. And then in 1972, he did beat a Russian guy. Okay, so it was the 70s. Okay, so it was around the same time. So they were like, well, all we have is chess. We need another decathlete. Yeah, yeah. So I think think it gets risen to promise. But now, like, if you ask people to name a decathlete, they're probably going to say Jenner. You know what I mean? I would agree. and, and, And that's only because they know that as, like, a tidbit based on this person being wildly famous for a different reason. But yes, I was like, all right, once and for all, I'm going to find the answer to this decathlon thing. Cause like, what the hell? How did anyone care? It's like 10 boring events stacked on top of each other. I agree. I agree. But it, I, I think the idea probably was the person who's best at this is probably the best all around athlete in the world, right? Like they don't specialize in being a great sprinter or jumper or yeah, they're whatever. The, they're, they're the, uh, the even across the board selection at the beginning of the video game. Exactly. You have like your range attack, eight, your runner, your defense, yeah. and then your even. They're an eight in every category instead of like a 10 and a four. Exactly. I was going to try and do that too, but thank God you did that math for me. Well, it would have been a 10 and a six if I was doing the math right, but just like the spread of points. Um, so there's like. But anyway, this whole sequence is so we can watch Jenner do backflips and dive and into pools. And also watch Samantha's f- boobs in a hot tub and yeah. Licks. Yeah, the, there's like 
This is the first movie we've ever watched where the ratio of, of male nudity to female nudity is like ten plus to one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote from a drag queen Trixie Mattel and like any a woman in a movie, it's like a dead hooker in daylight. And then a man in a shower in a movie, they're like, here's strategic fog and a quick towel and you will never see anything. And this movie's like, hold my beer. Yeah. Well, you get like a quick glimpse of a penis as they walk down the aisle and this one guy like hastily covers himself because it's a woman. And then these these, you know, seven or eight men striding behind her all singing YMCA at this point. And these people and then it cuts to like they're all dancing in a jacuzzi and her breasts keep like lightly bobbing out of the water. As she da- dances, you get like a half a nipple, and then we cut to like a shower scene, and it's just like all these dudes soaping up each other's backs and stuff, and it's like, whoa, this is about to take a turn into a weird town. Like I did not sign up to watch gay porn. Yeah, this is again. It's like how in, with with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two, they're like, I didn't know this was gay. How? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? Yeah. Do you have what eyes? Were you, what were you looking at? Because I just watched. The precursor to an orgy. Yeah, I was like, I've seen this clip before, and it usually goes somewhere else. This is like just before the part where everybody starts touching everybody else, and there's no soap, and it's just a lot of squeaky noises. (laughs) Squeak. Yeah, this is where this is where I wrote. I'm making all of my friends watch this movie as a double feature with Nightmare Two. Um, so then we cut from this to the recording studio where Gutenberg is going on and on about like, this is the sound of the eighties. And I'm like, wait a minute, YMCA is two years old. I didn't realize he was talking about the song they were about to play. I didn't realize we we're going to get two musical numbers in a, such a short window, but of yeah. course they have cram them in one. there. Like, did you know this song, the one they sing in the studio here or the one they sing about milk? No milkshake. I did not know. Well, cause I, okay. I saw on the Wikipedia and said they sing their song milkshake and I was like, if Khalees' milkshake is a cover that I never knew about, I am going to be so delighted and angry at myself. I mean, it'd be really funny if the village people sang about their milkshake, bringing all the boys to the yard. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember what song they I, they sang. I'm very hot right now, so my brain's not functioning. Uh, 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 I don't remember either. A Liberation. I, yeah, that's it. I think I'd heard snippets of this song before. Okay, so they sing this song. The record producer's like, eh, I don't care about this. He offers them like a pittance of money to to Sam, like in the hallway. He's like, I'll give you like $3 or whatever. We it's don't also a recording studio that once again has a stage and they're like doing choreography. And I was like, this isn't right. Glee. Just focus right. on the music. <laughs> um, and then that's transitions into like, okay, well, we need to do this song for an advertisement to, to raise some you know noise and promotion. And the song is ostensibly about milk, but he just sings about making milkshakes. Like, there's actual instructions in there where he's like, take your blender, add ice cream, splash in some milk, you got a milkshake. I'm making that up, but it's pretty close close. to the actual song. Um, I also love these, like, white chase variants of their costumes. (laughs) They're only packed one per case. Yeah, like a Hot Topic exclusive. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because it's like literally the same costumes that they normally wear, except they're all white and spangled. And it's this. So uh, Sam, the model, is like, you know what? I'll, I need some more money to fund you guys. I'll take this stupid milk commercial. And she's like, but I have an idea. And so she plays the mom. And I was like, no, she wouldn't. She'd be playing like the hot sister. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and she's like, oh, children. And like and six, like six year olds 
in village people costumes run in. And my brain lost. I was like, pretty great. I know where we're going with this, but I didn't know where we were going with this. I thought this was going to be like, they drink the milk and then turn into the village people. I thought that was going to be the commercial. I did too. Yeah. But no, they drink and then it turns into a five minute musical sequence to advertise milk. Yeah. But but not milk, milkshakes. But it's supposed to be advertising milk. Right, but they're only singing about milkshakes, which, like, if I'm the Milk Producers Guild of America, I'm like, hey, that's ice cream. <laughs> um, And so they, they shoot us. The idea is they shoot and edit and, like, they costume, shoot, record, edit this entire commercial. And then the people they were doing it for are like, I don't know if I like this. That's not how things work. Uh, I beg to differ. As someone who works in creative services, that is often the way things work. They would do the entire thing. They would pay to have the entire thing finished. I have completed work that has been designed and had someone be like, no, that's not what we're looking for. And then we have to start over. No, but I mean, like, for, I feel like that's different than, like, writing a song, recording a song, costuming the music video, recording the music video, editing the music video... I guarantee you this exact scenario has happened dozens of times, if not hundreds of times. Makes me sad. Like, I would would bet almost any amount of money that this exact sequence has happened. That's a bummer. But then they show the commercial, and there's, like, all the moms are in the room, plus the talent agent, and and then uh, Jenner and the Goot and Sam. I can't remember the actress's name. And they have, like, everybody has, like, a little sidebar. And the one with Jenner and Sam is, like... Hey, you're wearing that sexy outfit, and I think it sucks. And I'm just like, ew, what? You're showing too much skin. And I was like, gross. Um, And then this is where Ron. This is where Good is wearing the jacket, by the way, that looks like a a couch at a place. He looks like that guy from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing a jacket that looks like a couch at a cabin you would rent that hasn't had the furniture changed in like 45 years. Yeah, no, the guy who turns into the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And this is where Ron's rich mom is like, oh, I organize parties for 2,000 people, for 3,000 people. I have one in a week. Do the village people want to sing? Any time before now would have been a great time to, to say this, Nancy. Right. Like, the idea that they've been working diligently, like, okay, well, we're going to throw, they call it a pay party, but I'm like, you're describing a concert. Like, you want people to come pay money for a show. Well, no, it seemed more of a, like, a club like a cover to get into a club kind of moment more than a concert. I guess, but they're talking about like the drink show money you'll make on drinks. Plus the fact that they're going to have performers. It just seems like you're describing a concert. Um, and then Sam calls the sleazy music guy and she's like, Oh, meet me on your private jet. We'll go to San Francisco. And then Ron is like, you're a slut. I hate you. And Sam's like, Oh, you think, Oh, cool. I'm glad you have no faith in me to have an idea here. Yeah. Who's been um, puppet mastering this whole bullshit? Right, Sam. right. Also, look at your haircut. She goes up to each village people and goes, this is my village person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the references to summer rental that nobody will understand. We covered uh, summer so rental on the show. I was just I was just about to plug it. I was going to say, go see the episode in the back catalog. Uh, so then we cut to the uh, sleazy music guy on his private jet. And he, being sleazy, is like, as soon as she gets on the, on the, as soon as she gets on the plane, shut the door and take off. And I was like, yeah. that's not how planes work. <laughs> a 
it's also pretty much kidnapping. <laughs> what you're describing is a kidnapping. It's both kidnapping and not how planes work. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like you. Hey. It's like in a car you peel out. Like no, that's not. You don't just like shoot up in the sky. <laughs> Well, he could shut the door. I don't. Th- I, don't I don't know about the takeoff part. Yeah. The door you could probably shut. But also, this is like the best set design for you to be like, oh, this guy's disgusting. His private jet looks like uh, what a white person thinks uh, Sheik's harem looks like, or like the, the room where the Sheik keeps his harem. <laughs> I don't know what that room is called, but it is like so terrible. Like. Oh, I'll just pluck these things from this culture and throw them on the floor. Like, here's some animal print furs, rugs, blankets, whatever. Some random like tchotchkes with the like the candy bowl has like a weird lid on it. Uh, and it's turns out it's the Goots and his mom, who r- apparently used her real life backstory to be like, I was a showgirl. Yeah, yeah, I, I, this seems really great. N- now knowing that that is her actual backstory made it much more enjoyable. Um, the other thing I really like is you saw us as well. I did. Right? Yeah. You remember that scene where the uh, the mom is in the bathroom and the husband's like laying on the bed and he like carefully arranges himself so his like yes. crotch is prominent? Um, that's not really a spoiler for the movie. It's just a fun little scene. And so he like carefully shifts and like gets himself, you know, trying to look sexy for when his wife comes out of the bathroom. This guy like does the same thing, but he's wearing this like robe sort of get it's up. like half a robe, half a caftan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I knew you would know the, 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 the term for the article of clothing, but he like does the same thing where he like arranges himself crotch first. And then this middle-aged woman comes on the plane with Steve Gutenberg in tow and he's like scrambling to sit up. I just, it's a really good little moment. I think this actor is, is probably like uh, amongst the best, like little spot performances we've seen on the show. And I'm about like, I'm bummed. I've never heard of this guy. I thought he was pretty good. I agree. And then, um, it turns out Goot's mom is one of the sharks on shark tank. Yeah, she's really ruthless here. I like it a lot. She like pulls out a red pen from her purse, and she's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut this out. We're going to take this. You're going to do this for us. And you know what? Instead, we're going to make it this. And they're like arguing over merchandising and t-shirts and all that stuff. I just want to edit this with the Shark Tank, like, bottom, lower third, where it's like, yeah. her deal, this. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, His exactly. counteroffer, this. Um, So we get to their concert, charity thing, whatever, and uh, the group that performs before them is the Richie family, which is another group that Goot's character. So, like IRL, the Gutenberg character founded this group. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Wh- I was like, why are they not. here? Other than the fact that like they're not the village people. Right, right. And then we, I realized that because they go, "This is our first real performance," and I was like, "It is." Yeah. <laughs> Oops, all that stuff was dream sequences, I guess. But I guess it wasn't in front of people, like record like filming a video, I guess, yeah, is different. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um and they use the name Claudia Walters instead of Barbara Walters, but she's not old. Wait, who who are you talking about? The the report the like reporter from sixty twenty. Oh Claudia Walters. Oh, oh. I this this totally whooshed over my head. Yeah. Well, I, mean, wait, I get what you're saying, Barbara obviously now, but I just... is that her? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, it used to. I don't think she does it anymore. But like, oh, hang on. So this is, what, 30 years ago? 40? Yeah. Oh, I guess Barbara Walters would have been. No, Barbara Walters would have probably been in her like 20, 
Wait, how old is Barbara Walters? I don't want to offend Barbara Walters. Or I her think fans. Barbara Walters is much older than you think she is. Well, I don't want to. I was about to be like, she's in her 30s. And I was like, she would have been in her 30s. I was like, don't say that, Andrew. She was born in 1929. So she's 50 when this movie comes out. Okay, yeah. So they didn't get a 50 year old to play the Barbara Walters character. They got this like 20 something. Who, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who disappears with a sleazy music produ- pr- producer and never comes back. Right. They, they take the old Uber out of the movie role. And I thought it was... Well, gonna... to be fair, at this point, the movie is pretty much over. It like, is, it ends like, minutes they, later. They set it up and frame it in a way that says, like, this is going to be a thing. And it's not, once again. Right, right. Um, I wrote, I love that Sam and the Goots never had a romance. Yeah. Although I will say... I do generally agree with you, but I do kind of like the idea of it's all building up to this big performance. You hope it's going to be their big break. You see the performance go well and we fade to black and that's the end of the movie. Like, I think that's decent. It's story. Oh, no, I'm, I'm into that. I just like don't that I didn't need what seemed like the setup to a thing that didn't have a payoff. Right, right. I hear you. Um, Ron gets rehired, re- proposes to Sam because he found out she didn't sleep with the guy. The band gets signed. Yeah. Um, and they make the most epic gay ass entrance ever. Entrances, it's, plural. It's it's pretty buck wild. This is like many wrestlers' dreams, although they would probably be like ten percent less gay. Maybe there would be less rhinestones, but it would be the same energy and props. I'm just saying. The rhinestones is the part where it's 10% more gay. That's fair. And like, if this is, if I ever get to headline a pride, this is how I want my entrance to be. I mean, like one of the big female wrestlers entrance at WrestleMania this year was via helicopter. And then she stepped out in a sequined robe. Is she, um, Ric Flair's daughter? daughter? Ric Flair. Yes. <laughs> that I listened. Weird. That was weird. Charlotte Flair. Uh, yeah, that is indeed. It is indeed Charlotte Flair. Um, so yeah, it's a, a, a rhinestone saloon, a rhinestone teepee, uh, a cop bike, a Leatherman yeah. motorcycle, a construction yeah, it's all, truck. It's all pretty insane. And then what was the and, army and guy? Also, like, what's that? Was the army guy a tank? I missed the army guy's entrance. I don't know. But also, like, what the hell was the budget for this? Money is no object, man. Apparently. And I love, the, and so that now they're in the like final form of their costume, the 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 diamond yes, variant. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which, this is the double chase figure. It's yeah. only packed one for ten cases. The one that the costumes you know, but covered in rhinestones. Exactly. Um, and they sing the title song. You can't stop the music. And they should have done a slow credit roll over this. Yep. But they didn't. Instead, you got to watch the whole song first. I wonder if it was a contract thing, like probably. Like you have to just play full songs. Like we're not going to do snippets. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I also didn't know until watching this movie that the village people were kind of like a menudo, and that they just like roll people out of the group. Yeah, like some of them. Some of them were there for a very long time, but like a lot of them are just kind of treated like interchangeable parts. Yeah, the leather like, man oh, we was there until GI. his um, lung cancer made it so he couldn't sing anymore. But he was still yeah, a manager. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was, I just didn't know about that. I thought it was interesting. Uh, final thoughts on can't stop the music. It's a fun, gay, campy romp. Like it's too long. Um, it's way too long. It's way too long. Um, but it's enjoyable. It's, it's like, especially if you're part of the queer community, the village people are kind of like, are kind of a big deal. 
it's a movie that I wish I had on like Blu-ray and DVD so I could bring it places and be like, hey, <laughs> here's a lull in the party. <laughs> Let's watch this weird village people movie. Um, I did not care for it, but I do understand the appeal of it. And I think uh, if you either have a fondness for the village people or the Gutenberg or uh, are a member of the LGBTQ community, this is much more likely to speak to you than it did to me. Um, I don't, I struggle, I don't, I wouldn't recommend it broadly. Uh, I think there are people, (laughs) yes, exactly. Um, I think there are people, I I don't want to, I think I I was not offended, but yes. No, but Uh, the listeners, just to clarify in case anyone missed it, yes. Uh, yes, I am deeply homophobic. That is why every time that comes up on the show, I say such hateful things. Um, no, uh, but I, I do think like this, I do would not recommend this as like a broad recommendation. I think there are people for whom this will be an absolute home run. And I'm not saying only people who are LGBTQ or huge, like there are people who will like, just like this from, if you really like camp, this is probably right in your wheelhouse. Uh, I'm not a huge I guess I've learned this about myself that I'm just not wild about camp in general. So, although uh, I would argue Mel Brooks is camp. Yeah, I, I, and I don't want to have this conversation. Perhaps we can have it another time. But like, I don't know what the difference between camp and farce is. And I think I like farce, and I think I don't normally care for camp. And I think Mel Brooks, when I think of it, I think of farce. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's because I don't know enough, and that's entirely possible. Like I think Mel Brooksy is kind of spoofy, farcy silliness. That's Campy fair. Is more. I, I, think I think farce of. and camp tend to be very closely aligned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is farce just like straight camp? Kind of, yeah. Full is farce. That what it is? <laughs> so in the the like short answer of like farce, I always joke that like farce is a lot of doors. It's sort of sure, like yeah. The yeah. Broad... French door farce is a phrase I've said many times on this podcast, which I think I might have made up. What? Mature farce? A French door farce. Oh, French door farce. Yeah, no, like that's yeah. a... So like any... T- like uh, Noise is off, uh, Boeing, Boeing. Sure, sure. Uh, there's a Neil Simon one that's escaping me. Rumors is a farce. Like anywhere, like a door closes and one opens immediately and someone else comes in. Like that's sort right, of what right. farce l- tends to mean. That makes sense. But yeah, I think there are many people who would like absolutely love the heck out of this movie. I was not one, but that doesn't really mean anything. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, one pretty strong recommended one. Like, yeah, maybe, which is okay for us as far as these things go. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we really appreciate that. We are Our next episode is the beginning of Listener Request Month. Uh, which we're really excited about. We've got two of our Patreon supporters who have chosen episodes, and then the last one was chosen randomly from all the submissions from all of our listeners, which is really cool, and we're really grateful for all of you for participating in that. Uh, if you'd like more Dissecting the 80s, go to patreon.com slash Dissecting the 80s. Uh, you can get a bunch of free – well, not free. You'll get a bunch of bonus content if you sign up at the $5 level, but there's all sorts of ways to support the show, so check that out there. And if there's a way – that you, a thing you would like to see on there that you don't see on there, hit us up at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter. It's Dissecting the 80s on Facebook and Dissect the 80s on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We always like that. And then lastly, we don't always uh, say this on the show, but uh, there's two ways you can help us for free. The first is leaving a review, preferably on iTunes, but it will take them anywhere you want to leave them. And the second is tell two friends. If you like the show, tell two friends about it. And usually that's the best way to learn about cool stuff like podcasts. 
let us be the pyramid scheme of podcasts and no one has to ever commit any any money or their life savings. If you to sign it. two friends up, your business grows, and then every person they sign up. Yes, you'll be creating a downline. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to visit dissectingthe80s.com for all of the stuff you'd ever want to know about the show. We will be back on the 1st of July to begin Listener Request Month. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until the 1st of July. Happy Pride. And don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.